feel it this morning, but I feel like God's doing something. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but I know that He knows. And if you are aware of it, in that worship time, just... It's funny that you did that song, because you were going to do that song, were you? That just really felt as I was as I was praying into this morning, this whole week, that we need to always, always remember the holiness of God and how sacred it is and how without His holiness, nothing really makes any sense. His goodness wouldn't make sense. His um, sacrifice wouldn't make sense without His holiness first. And I read a truth this morning that said, whatever holiness touches makes that thing holy so this morning we're in the presence of holiness we're standing right now in the presence of holiness and what does that mean that he makes us holy another word for holy is perfect you might now right now be like do you even know me (laughs) I know that I'm not perfect and there's a whole lot to go into this but when we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are holy. And when God looks at us, He sees Jesus. Let's just remember that this morning again. Let's try and remember that as much as we can. Because <laughs> that's what that's what keeps us going. That's what gives us steps. That's what gives us breath. That's what gives us life. So God, we just thank you, Lord, that you, we acknowledge your holiness this morning. We acknowledge that you, you're holy, you're perfect, you're whole. And that's why we can trust in you. That's why we can have faith in you. That's why we can put our, our, our fragile lives into your safe, safe hands because you're holy, you're perfect, you're unchanging, you're consistent, you're constant. You were yesterday what you're going to be tomorrow. And we need that because we can't be that. So we just take a hold of that this morning in whatever, whatever way that looks like for each of us. That we claim that holiness. Thank you, Lord. grab a seat my voice has gone all raspy and mad (laughs) (laughs) whoever's listening on the podcast will be like who is that who is that man speaking (laughs) it's just me Karen it's just me Karen I am in fact a woman (laughs) hello to you (laughs) I just from, oh man, from the start this morning. I don't know if it's just me. I'm just excited about life right now. But I don't know if you guys could feel that. I felt like when I was standing there and we started whatever, I think it was when you were speaking out that psalm. I don't, I don't know. There's something about the word of God, guys. <laughs> and I felt like, and we started singing and I just felt this wave behind me. I don't know, man. I don't know what that means, but it sounds exciting. <laughs> I don't really like swimming, and I'm excited by that. So there you go. 
Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Karen, and I am. I have the absolute honour of sharing the Word of God this morning with you. And before I even start, I really want you to, in whatever way, again, whatever way that looks like for you, posture yourself to hear the Word of God this morning. The Word of God is it's living, it's alive. And when you come into the presence of God and you, and you open, open his word, I, this, is, this is really new for me too. Like I, I love the Bible, but for the last couple of months or so, every time I open it, I expect God to move. Expect him to move. Expect him to do something in me, change something in me. And he's doing it. And he's flipping doing it. <laughs> So this is really, if this is all, if that's all you take away this morning, whew, that's enough, man. The Word of God is alive this morning. So we're going to read a bunch of it, because why not? And as we read, because there's quite a lot, I'll just read through it, and I'm going to stop every now and again, give you some freebies, and then <laughs> we'll get into um, my message this morning. So I want to speak this morning um, about Moses, and... Ooh, Let's see if I can do this. Ooh. And this morning, and for the rest of our lives, we're just going to see what God will do. Often we come into a time like this, or you're in a life group, or you're uh, at home, and you're in the presence of God, and often we come in with a, God, this is, and not saying this is wrong at all, because God wants us to, to offer what we've got, and ask him for things, and, and partner with him. And we come in and we say, this is what we want you to do. And yes, we prophesy that out there. Very biblical. Very, yes, that's what we need to do. But also there's a part of faith and life that is kind of like, okay, in the presence of God, with the holiness that is God, let's just see what he'll do. And if you're open to it, he's going to do something, man. He's going to do some giggling on the front row. You guys know, eh? You know. You know. You know how it is. Okay. Whew. I'm excited. Okay, Exodus 3. So we're going to jump around Exodus 2, 3, and 4. So just bear with me because it's quite a story and there is a lot to say in this. So there's bits where I will like, yeah. So there's bits that I'm skimming over just because for the sake of it. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, the, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, and I said this the other week, I think it's real funny, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I just, I don't know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, important, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Strange again, very strange. A has a bush ever called out to you? That is the question. It's a very strange thing. So this is the kind of thing that doesn't, you know how sometimes in, in the Bible, some of it's very like, now in that time they did this and in that time and we have to try and figure it out kind of thing. Burning bushes didn't just happen. So... <laughs> <laughs> So God called out to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I'm going to explain why that's important very soon. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. God sees you this morning. He sees, he sees it all. He sees it all. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, now we've all had a moment like this, I'm sure. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And there's context, which I'll share again soon, that makes that statement even more like, who, yeah, who are you, Moses? <laughs> and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, this is so funny. <laughs> when God talks to you and you go, yeah, okay, so suppose I do it. I just, this is funny. Um, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name that you shall call me from generation to generation. Now skipping ahead to, verse, uh, to chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant." I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is not I, the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Aren't we glad this morning that, that God doesn't just stop when we give an excuse? <laughs> Thanks. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? Wait, I'm going to go back. That's just is so interesting. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. But then he continued and said, Okay, let's figure it out. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. 
I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Here I am. God saw some curiosity in Moses. And I think, I think God has designed us to be curious beings, to ask questions, to look a little bit deeper, to ask what's going on. And when God sees that curiosity, then he'll start to speak. When God saw Moses' curiosity in the supernatural, that's when he spoke. Because God can light a, light, a fire, light a bush on fire and it not burn up. That's pretty, like, mad. Um, so for Moses to be like, oh, what is that, and go over, God was like, okay, he's interested. I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak. So that, yeah. <laughs> There's so many things to say. Moses at that point didn't know that the voice that was speaking to him was God, which is also an interesting point. But yet he responded. He just said, here I am. Often we try and do things the other way around and try and figure out, okay, A to B and B to C and, okay, yep, and then we get to Z and then we think, okay, now's the time to respond to God because I've got all my ducks in a row, you know? Whereas Moses, he didn't even know it was God. He was just, here I am, I hear my name, here I am. Who gave him his name? Interesting. God explains then to him who he is. So going back, I don't know if I have this on the slides, Caleb, so you can have to help me out here, mate. Oh, I do. Nice. So going back, to ch- it's always interesting in the Bible when you're reading, reading a story to go back a little bit just to get some context. Sorry, I have two different things written down. It's confusing. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew... Okay, so I, okay, sorry, step back. I read chapters three and four and thought, awesome. Like Moses, he just gets there, says, here I am, gives a few excuses. God gives him an assignment. So cool. But then I thought, I'll go back one chapter. And the chapter starts off with Moses was born. (laughs) And so the Bible's so funny like that. It kind of condenses things and things happen real fast. But So this is verse 11 of chapter 2. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. That's just funny. He's just watching them work. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. This is the same man that was standing right in the presence of God. Just killed a man. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Wow, that's sassy. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. How many times do we try to hide what we have done? When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up 
and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule, so okay, rule is Jethro. It's the same thing. He has about five names. I don't really understand why, but just to help with that. Their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Rule asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. That's a nice name. (laughs) During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Now, you know before when I was reading, and it kept saying, yeah, I am the God of your father and the God of this guy and the God of that guy. This is important to why he kept saying that. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God had made a covenant with these guys, with these people, and he remembered. So when he's then talking to Moses, he's almost reminding himself, like, I'm going to make this happen because I promised it. I'm going to make this happen to you, and I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to remind me because I promised it, so I'm going to do it. I think that's pretty amazing about God. He makes a promise, and he will follow through. The fire fire is an interesting thing, the fire of the bush. When, when, he, when Moses hears the voice of God and he sees the fire, the difference between when he first sees it and then when he realizes that it's God, I can imagine, you can imagine in that moment just all the things that are going through your mind about when God shows up, he comes in, in a way that will kind of explain some of his characteristics. So when he came as a baby, like that shows us all sorts of things. But when he comes in fire... There's so much to learn from that, just that small thing that he decided to come as fire. It wasn't random at all. He wanted to show Moses that he was a refiner. You put something in the fire and it will refine it. It will kill off anything that, that needs to die and bring out the gold at the end of it. Fire is all-consuming. And like I said before about God's holiness, it's everything. It's perfection. It's constant. It's powerful. When It's interesting that I've written this question in here from what happened this morning. When was the last time we were overcome by the holiness of God? We stand in such different times to when Moses stood in front of God, but God's the same. He's the same. God hasn't changed. What's our posture towards the supernatural glory and holiness of God? It's something that I think you can become, potentially become blind to, but also it can become something that we minimize and become, it's just a normal thing. Yeah, God, he's holy, you know? Whereas I feel like when we really get into, when we really, I don't think even understands the right word because we don't fully, we're not going to ever fully understand God, but when we grasp just some of how holy he is, I couldn't help this morning to be on my knees. This morning I woke up and I went into our sunroom 
just to put the finishing touches to this message. And I just felt so strongly to just get on my knees in the presence of God because he's so holy. Because he's so holy. And it might look, it'll look different to all of us, but we need to remember that. The holiness of God. The holiness of God. And then have our posture from there. Like, I'm not going to spend my, knee, my, my whole life on my knees. They would hurt my knees. <laughs> and that's impractical because <laughs> you need to do stuff. <laughs> but the posture of my heart is on my knees. Always, always, always. Actually, just back, it, back a bit. I'm just thinking about the life of, of Moses and how... Before all this happened, like I read out before, that he saw some people fighting. He killed someone. He tried to hide it. He found out, so he ran away. And in, in whatever way in our life that looks, we've all been there. It's so helpful to understand that context, that God would choose a man that had killed one of his sons, that he would still choose him. If you ever think that you're not qualified, ever, Break that chain of thought. Break that chain of thought. Break that chain of thought. God will use you. And all you have to do is respond to your name. Respond to your name. Here I am. Here I am. What is that in your hand? It's a funny question because it's God and he knows everything. But (laughs) what is that in your hand? The context. Moses was tending his father-in-law's flock with his staff. So his staff was his... It's so important. When you're a shepherd and you've got your sheepies, a staff is important. It, there's so many ways that it's important. You can, you can, it's got a little hooky thing on the end. I don't know if Moses' staff had the hook on the end or not. I don't know. There's, you Google these things and it's out of control. Um, <laughs> but you use it to get your sheep in the right place and to show them where to go. And to, that, was, that was his job. That was his livelihood, his staff. It was the connection to his family, to his father-in-law. God asks him to throw it on the ground. God asks us to throw down in front of him our reasons to be alive. He asks us to throw down in front of him our livelihood, our purpose, our dreams, our hopes, our everything. And it's interesting, before around that time that that happens, that God says that this ground is holy. And like I said before, when you, put, when you get something holy and it touches something unholy, it makes that thing holy. So when Moses puts his staff on the ground, he's putting it on holy ground. Holy ground. And I thought it was really interesting that God doesn't ask Moses to put down in front of him his speech impediment. So you, you hear all the excuses. God, I actually am not eloquent. I can't speak you're asking me to speak to these people. You're asking me to speak to Pharaoh. I can't actually speak very well. But it's interesting that God doesn't ask him to put that down. He knows that Aaron will be able to counteract that. You almost knew that God was like, okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to keep asking. And then, oh, actually, you need someone in your life that has a gift that you don't have to make something happen. And I thought that was whew, how important it is to have someone, to have people in your life that have what you don't have so then you can do what God's called you to do. Family, community, church, having people devoted to you, 
with their gifts and your gifts, so then you can go. If it was just Moses on his own, he'd get to Pharaoh, and we've all been there, and you, you try to talk, and either nothing comes out, or you kind of stumble your way through it, and you can imagine him being laughed at, and off you go. But God knew. God knew that that would kind of trip over Moses, so he already had a plan. Actually, your brother, he's good at speaking. I'll give you the words. You let him know. Let's go do this. You need people in your life that have the gifts that you don't have, so then you can do what God's called you to do. And there's so many questions. This is an amazing way to read the word, is just asking questions as you read, asking questions. God, what does that mean? What do, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me? It's a beautiful way to read the word. What is God asking you to throw down in front of him on holy ground in his presence? And I wasn't sure I was going to do this this morning, but I, I just so feel like this, this, this place feels holy. And a little bit, in a little bit, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask and I'm going to invite you up to come to the front. There's nothing, there's nothing actually that special about this floor. It's actually kind of annoying because you trip over the little bits and your, your phone cracks on it, eh, light? <laughs> and it's a bit noisy. <laughs> but when God is here, which he is in the room, this ground is now holy because he's been walking around. He's been in and through the rows. And we're going to throw some things down this morning before God. Before God. But then it doesn't, it doesn't stop there, which is so beautiful about God because he's so, he's so well-rounded. It's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> so he asks us to throw something down, and you see it in the story with Moses. Later on, he says, pick it up. He does the whole snake thing, which is a whole thing in itself. But he says, take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Now this staff has been on holy ground. So now it's, it's holy. It's got some power. <laughs> I'm just imagining like with lightning coming out of it. No. Take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. God gave back to Moses what he threw on the ground, but gave it back with more power, more potential, more ability. Often we stop shy of giving it all to God because it feels so uncertain. Or you're kind of like, throw it down, but hold on to a bit of it, <laughs> you know? That feels like life. Yeah, I'll throw it, I'll give it to you. Or you give it, give it to God in this moment, and then you kind of like walk out the door, and you're kind of like dragging it behind you, you know? <laughs> it's such an interesting thing, because it is so like spiritual, and you can't see what's happening. <laughs> but that's not an excuse not to do it. <laughs> Like I said before, he's the most constant, caring, consistent, safe place for every single part of our life. God is calling us to be a people who bravely and wholeheartedly throw our lives down just to see what he'll do. Just to see what he'll do with it. Maybe it's your job, your career. Maybe it is your family or the gifts that you know God's given you, or maybe, maybe you know there's, a, there's an option for something and you're not sure. I know that there's a lot of, lot of big things in our life at the moment, both personal-related and church-related, where I really felt this morning to just throw it on the ground, <laughs> throw it on the ground, 
just to see what he'll do. Just to see what he'll do. Maybe if you throw your job down, and this is big stuff. This is really big stuff that we're throwing down. And obviously you can, you can start in any way you want to do it, but careful not to throw down your anxieties and your worries because I see, the God that I see in the scripture that we read was a God who almost puts those things to the side a little bit, who starts with, I've got something for you. I've got a mission for you. I've got, I've got something for you to do. And then when Moses comes back and says, but, but this, can you send someone else? Why me? I've got the speech thing. Then God's like, get your, get your brother. Well, the, you guys will sort it out together. Plenty more I could say on that, but I'll carry on. Throwing the big things down, the big things down. Maybe you'll pick up, you'll throw, throw your job down on the ground. Maybe God will ask you to pick it up. And this is holy ground, so he's going he's gonna to do something here this morning. If you expect it to happen, it's going to happen this morning. It might take days or weeks or months or years to actually unfold, but I feel like God's calling us to do something this morning. Maybe if you throw your job down, God will ask you to pick it up and you'll get a new, a new attitude of, of why he's put you there, a new love of the people that you're around day in, day out. Maybe you throw your family down, and I know that's something, it's a big thing when you're a parent. To have kids is the craziest thing in the whole entire world. But you put them down before God, and then he'll give them back to you. And imagine what you could do. Imagine the gifts that are inside your children. Imagine the, imagine the, oh, I just, oh. Imagine the day that my children stand before God in holy ground and say, here I am. Because he's calling out to them. He, Flippy's calling out to them. And just see what he'll do with that. Just see what he'll do. Maybe your gifts, you need to throw them down, and he'll call you to pick them up so that they can bless someone other than just yourself. Could I get the band up? Just for, you know, vibes and stuff. <laughs> and we're going to sing... I surrender all because it feels like the right song to do. Yep. We've, sung, we've sung and we've believed that God is holy, that he is worthy of everything in our life, every single thing he is worthy. So we've prophesied that over this place this morning. That's what you do when you sing. You speak it out, words have power. We've prophesied this morning and we've believed together that God is holy. So we don't need to do that again. Keep that in your heart and your posture of kneeling. And we're going to sing I Surrender All. And we're going to keep this space at the front open for anybody who believes and feels like they need to throw something at the on this holy ground. Whatever it is. You, you don't have to tell anyone. You just do it yourself. And then together, so I'll, I'll come up after that and we'll pray together and believe that God's going to do something with it. That when he gives that back to you, it's going to be holy. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be full of authority. It's going to be changed. Like lives will just be changed by it. I know that that's a thing that I know I've said so many times and, and I think I'm just starting to believe that it actually could happen. Life-changing. 
that your family could be life-changing, that your job could be life-changing, that your marriage could be life-changing. Oh, a good marriage is a flippin' beautiful thing. (laughs) When you're one with someone else and your gifts combine and you hold me where I can't hold you and all that stuff, that's a force to be reckoned with. Man. So we're going to sing. And if you feel like you need to lay something down on this holy ground for God to do what only He can do, then come and do it. If we get the lights down and the music's playing,